Hello, what's up, Redeemed Church family? It's your friend Eddie Johnson here. Uh, man, I get to uh, be the, I don't even know what, what the name is, but the final leg of the relay uh, for our worship series. I am pulling up the rear. I am finishing this up, uh, and I'm so excited. We have done a lot of great things in this new year. Have you noticed <clears throat> uh, the all the amazing content that the Liz Vandergren and the team have put out? The Drop 5, the podcast, we're gonna touch on some of those things here in a little bit, Uh, but we've been talking about worship as we have started this brand new year, 2022. This has been a crazy year for me. I just turned 40, all right? Uh, It's been amazing. It's been great. Uh, I definitely got those old bones kicking in and all that fun stuff, but as I've listened uh, to all the messages, listened to the drop fives, uh, listened to the podcast as I've come to church and been thinking about worship, and matter of fact, last week as I was sitting in church and Kurt was giving his message, uh, a few more thoughts on today's sermon uh, were pouring into my brain. Uh, It hit me, we have done a great job of talking about worship, but today as we finish strong, as we talk about uh, worship being missional, I want to talk about corporate worship what worship is, what it should look like, what it might feel like, some of the ins and outs of worship when we come together as a church body and what that, uh, what those dynamics entail. So in coming together and in being the church, immediately when I was thinking of church dynamics, church relationship, church connection, uh, unfortunately, my brain went to a negative example. And I remembered that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians because every time they came together, things were not good. Now here, let me get this straight. I don't think we are anywhere near as bad as the Corinthian church at Redeemed Church. We got a few legs ahead of them, mainly because of the word of God. We get to see their example and be like, hey, let's not do that. All right. But when I think about coming together, the first thing I thought was, man, there's some really bad examples of when the church comes together. And matter of fact, one comes to mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, when they come together to take the Lord's Supper, this is what he said about the Corinthian church. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for better, but for worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. You know what I mean? When I read that, that's the antithesis of what I think the church is supposed to look like when they come together to celebrate and worship and lift up God and encourage each other. That's the exact opposite of a verse you've heard us quote so many times in Acts chapter 242. It says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all, and all they had uh, were, excuse me, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, they attended temple together, breaking bread in their homes, and they received food with glad and gracious hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, daily, those who are being saved. Do you see the stark opposites? Do you see the yin and the yang, the the opposite ends of the spectrum between a church that is together in corporate worship and fellowship and love and camaraderie and mutual respect and encouragement and a church 
that when they come together to take the Lord's Supper, everything goes haywire. The Corinthian church was full of drama, backstabbing, deceit, affairs, lawsuits. <clears throat> there were so many problems in the Corinthian church. Paul addressed it and he said, you guys, this isn't what it's supposed to look like when we get together. And the Acts gives us once again that perfect example of what it should look like. So as I was thinking, like I said, we're bringing together this anchor end of uh, the, the, the anchor leg, the final leg of this worship series. I was thinking, what do we need to talk about? What picture do we need to paint of corporate worship? What, what, what does that look like? What, is that gonna, what does that look like for us? And I went back to Corinthians again, because not only did Paul address the wrong that the Corinthian church was doing, he also gave some illustrations and gave some pictures and gave some encouragement of what the church should look like. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up or for the strengthening or for the edification, depending on the translation you're reading. Hey, let me pray for us. Father, as we dive in to what your word says today, will you help us realize that you have designed us not for a solo mission. God, we were never designed to be James Bond Christians uh, flying solo, doing it all on our own, Lord. We were designed to be the A-team. We were designed to be the ones who come together, who believe with each other, who love and support and, and contend with and for each other. Lord, you called us to be the example to the world by our love, by our unity, by the hope that we bring. So, Father, would you help us be the church that you desire us to be, your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. I think there are three things that we need to keep in mind when we talk about what corporate worship looks like. Before I get to those three things, you'll notice here something. When Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, he states a couple of things. And I want to make a couple of things clear before we dive in anymore. Okay? Number one, he's not prescribing this is what every church service should look like. You should sing a hymn, you should give a lesson, and da-da-da, these things. But he does point out some elements that are at play. And number one, singing of a hymn. There is songs. Matter of fact, you can go through all throughout Scripture in the Psalms, uh, in the New Testament. We're going to dive into some of those in a second. But there are songs that are sung because that's our expression. One of the many expressions that we get to share with the Lord is our joy, is our life, is music, is the vibrancy. We get to sing and celebrate who God is. And then the second thing he says, there's a lesson, there's preaching, there's opening of the word. Like he says in Acts, they broke bread and they read the word together. We dive into what the Lord's telling us and we ask ourselves, how does this relate to us today? And then you'll notice the final three things he says, we're actually going to kind of combine into one big thing. He says that there's a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. The Bible, in, in, or excuse me, in 1 Corinthians, in, in chapters 12, uh, uh, 13, and 14, Paul, he spent those chapters leading up to chapter 14, really laying some groundwork in the church, telling them that there are lots of spiritual gifts that are given by God to the body of Christ, okay? And these gifts range in anything from hospitality to support, uh, or to hospitality to teaching, um, and they are more uh, extravagant, or they are more uh, supernatural is probably the better word than extravagant, like prophecy, interpretation, and tongues. 
And, and, and if we take the revelation of tongues interpretation and package it in one, what Paul, I believe, is saying here is that when you come together, there should be celebration, there should be diving and in, digging into the word, and there should be an activation of the gifts that God has given you. Now, we don't have time in this lesson today to unpack that fully, but I can promise you this. This year, Redeemed Church, we're going to dive more into what does it look like for all of us in Redeemed Church to live out how God has called us to be, to live out our gifts, to live out the abilities that the Lord's poured into the body. Matter of fact, we're here in our brand new studio. Don't you like it? Man, this studio has been put together over the last several weeks by some amazing folks like Brian Dill and Liz Vandergren. Our entire new building, we've had folks coming in every week using their gifts right? They've used their gifts to build the house. When we put together things as a teaching team, we get to use our gifts. We have the worship team that gets to use their gifts. When we're praying and laying hands up the altar, we get to use our gifts. Everything that God has brought us together so we can build each other up with everything that he's given us. So now that I got that out of the way, I want to highlight the three things that I think are important when we come together in corporate worship. Number one, the first thing I think we need to realize is that corporate worship is for personal edification. I'm going to say it again. Corporate worship is for personal edification. Okay. We've talked about it a little bit, right? Uh, we have done some really cool things at Redeemed Church in the start of this new year. We've got continually, we've got these online sermon series as well as in person, but we've also relaunched our podcast and it's been great. And Liz Vandergren has done a great job leading that. We've had our drop five and we've had the sermons that have happened. And I think everyone who's talked about worship has touched on this idea about how worship is about personal edification. Marty really highlighted this, that worship is relational. It's when the supernatural and the natural collide. Kurt talked about how our focus, right? Our focus, what we focus in on is what we draw close to, is what we lean in towards. It's what we become more like. We had Brendan talked about how all of us inherently know how to worship, even though we never called it worship. Because if you've gone to a Sunday football game and you supported your Seahawks or my New York Giants, who just hired a new GM and a coach, Hoping for that it turns out a lot better than the last few years have turned out. Moving on, okay? You know how to worship because you celebrate. Or if you're like Jason Emmanuel, you're celebrating your Lakers, and he did an amazing job telling us that, hey, we worship in spirit and in truth. It doesn't mean that we ignore the realities of the world. It just means that God's truth is even truer, all right? So we've had nothing but amazing content showing you how worship is a personal experience between you and the Lord, how you can be personally edified and strengthened. So if you haven't checked out all that content, hit the pause button right now, go back, consume all of that, and then come back right here. Whatever the timestamp is, remember that, do that and come back right here and get all that goodness up in your system, all right? So we've had a lot of amazing people unpack personal edification and the personal connection that we have the Lord in worship. And that's not just for when we are with the Lord solo in our quiet time, in our prayer closet, but it can also happen when we're together as a group. When you're together as a, uh, when we're together as a group, have you ever had a moment when someone has got their hands raised and they're crying out to the Lord and then someone's down on their knees, bowing quietly and, and, and in reverence. And then you've got other people in the back like Marty or myself, we're pacers and we move around. Then you've got some people who are clapping. Then you've got some people who just stand in awe and in reverence of God. Can I tell you something? Here's how amazing and how big and how vast our God is. Our God is so amazing that he can take 
the diversity of attitudes, opinions, and ideas, the diversity of ways that people connect with him fully, and he can be fully present in a corporate worship service, blessing everyone in the house corporately together as one, and then touching each soul individually in what they need. I don't know if you've ever been like this, but this happens to me, and probably more than I'd like to admit, but there's been a lot of times during sermons, sometimes, and this happened to me last week, this happened to me countless times with other pastors, Pastor Dave Reesing, or it's happened with Pastor Kurt and Marty and a lot of other folks uh, throughout my history where they'll say something from the stage in their sermon, and it'll get me thinking about something the Lord spoke to me like a week ago or a month ago, and next thing you know, I'm reading my Bible about what the Lord's speaking to me, and I look up, and they're saying amen, and the sermon is done, and I'm like, I have no idea what they talked about, but the Lord gave me a whole page of notes about something completely different. Church, that's okay, because that's what the Lord does. He's using us corporately to bring us together as one, but then still individually looking at our own situation and saying, hey, here's what I want to do in you. I want to give one example um, of something that is really fascinating. And, and if I can be ever so honest, I'm kind of forcing this one in. It wasn't in my original notes, but it's something I was debating about sharing, uh, and, and it was just so good I couldn't leave it out. Do you know the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible? Take a second, think about it. Do, 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 do. Okay, boom. All right. The first time worship is mentioned in the Bible, the word worship, in most translations. Now, this, it, 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 it changes a little bit depending on the translation, but I would say in 70, 80% of our translations, this is the first time the word worship is in our English Bibles. Okay. The word, the Hebrew word that's used for worship, it shows up a couple other times before, I think twice before, but the first time the Hebrew word for worship is translated worship in our English language is Genesis 22.5. You know the story that's in Genesis 22.5? Let me read it to you. Just that one verse. Then Abraham said to the young men with him, I added that part with him, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and come again to you. This is the context, or the context is when Abraham was told by the Lord to go sacrifice his one and only son, well, not his one and only son, but his promised son, Isaac, on an altar, because the Lord said so. Abraham was told by God, I want you to go take the son that I promised you. I want you to take your livelihood. I want you to take all the blessings, all the good things, all the power, everything you've dreamt of, all your hopes and dreams. And I want you to come to me and be willing to sacrifice that on the altar and trust that I will have a plan for you. Abraham, the Bible says in, in Hebrews that he believed God and he was credited to him as righteousness, right? excuse me, not in Hebrews, but in Romans. Abraham, this man of faith, said yes to the Lord and just trusted that the Lord would provide a sacrifice. He didn't know how it would come. He didn't know how it would manifest. Hebrews tells us that he believed that even if he did have to sacrifice his son, that God would resurrect Isaac. He believed truly that God had a plan. So his worship, his worship was the faith and the willingness to sacrifice. Church, can I tell you something? In any worship service, whether it's a corporate worship service, whether it's you and your own, in your own prayer time, your own prayer closet, just you and the Lord, the Lord's always gonna bring you to a place where he's gonna ask you, what are you willing to give up for me? 
Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you willing to do and step into the unknown? Are you willing to step into the grand adventure that I have for you? Knowing that it's gonna hurt at times, knowing it's gonna be tough at times, knowing at times it's gonna be awesome and easy and kicked back and laid back, but knowing that I'm gonna ask a lot of you, are you willing to step into that? Are you? Abraham said, yes, Lord. And he went up to the mountain prepared his son to sacrifice, and the Lord brought a new sacrifice. Abraham was willing to step. His worship was him being willing to sacrifice. Church, can I tell you something? It's not worship if it doesn't change us. If we're worshiping God truly, it's, if, it's wor- if worship doesn't change us, it's not truly worship. Because the Lord's saying, I want to draw you so close to me that you recognize that the life with me is greater than any other life you've lived. Corporate worship is about personal edification. The Lord draws us in, puts his arm around us and says, hey, let's handle some business. The second thing I think that happens when we talk about, or when we come together for corporate worship, as Paul said, when we sing a hymn and we give a lesson and we're activated in our gifts and we're building up the church, is just that. There's public encouragement. There's encouragement for the whole group. The entire church is built up together as one. Let me give you a couple of verses. And, and once again, I think kind of like the first one, this is a little bit self-explanatory. We kind of get this. The third one may not be something you ever thought of before. So I'll give you that little, little, little hint right now. Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will of the Lord, or what the will of the Lord is, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, verse 19, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and make melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything that that God the Father, excuse me, give for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in reverence of Christ. Sing together. Sing to each other, bless each other, encourage each other, lift each other up when you come together. Colossians chapter 3 says something similar. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom and singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church, I could go through the scriptures and give you tons more examples. Those are just three that the Bible is constantly telling us, come together, sing, celebrate, party, be festive, turn up, hey, hey, all right? Go nuts, go crazy, but do it all out of love and the joy that you have for each other and that you have for the Lord. Bless each other. Grab someone, put your arm around someone right now and start singing to them. I love you, I love you, I love you. Right? Bless them, encourage them. Say, I love you with the love of the Lord. You're my, 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 my friend, my beloved, my brother, my sister in Christ. Man, I can't think of anything more encouraging than that. Can you imagine what would it be like 
if we came to church and every time we came to church, okay, maybe you don't want people singing to you all the time because I might get a little old. Let's be honest. But what if it would happen if you came to church and you knew every single time you walked in, you were going to get bumped up a couple of notches because people poured that much into you. If you came in at your lowest, maybe you don't come in at your highest, but you're definitely going to be a lot better. You come in at your highest and you come even better when you leave and you, and you leave even better when you head out. This whole idea that when we come together as a body of Christ, our, the, the goal of corporate worship is personal edification and it's public encouragement. It's being encouraged as a whole group. It's that we can link arms, we can celebrate. And one of the greatest feelings, let's keep it real, let's keep it super real here. One of the greatest feelings in the world, when that song that you know you love, that one worship song, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's uh, uh, the song about making dry bones live, or maybe it's uh, um, oceans, or maybe it's whatever. And that song plays that you love, and you're like, oh, that's my jam! Like a song that came on the radio. Like me, when I listen to some 90s music, that's what happens with me, right? You put on some old school Dre, Snoop Dogg, some NWA, or, or some Montel Jordan, this is how we do it, right? Everyone comes together and like, oh, that's my jam, they go crazy, right? The same thing happens in church when we worship together. You know that song that plays, you're like, oh, I love this one. He's a good, good father. It's all just this joy and this dynamism. We all get to come together and it just breathes life and love and hope and joy into the community. Don't you love that feeling? That's designed by God. It's like what Brendan said in the drop five and I'm highlighting the other stuff that people have done because it's so good. Go back and listen to it. You're together with the crowd of people at a game, the rush, the exhilaration, you're cheering for the Seahawks or you're chilling for the Knicks or you're cheering for, for whoever. It's amazing. The same thing happens at church because that's how we were wired as people. We're wired for expression and joy and creativity and vibrancy and life. God's poured this into us. It's manifests itself in sports, but it, number one, manifests itself in our relationships with the Lord and each other when we come together. I can't think of anything better than that. We come together for corporate worship, for personal edification, it's for public encouragement, and it's for people evangelism. It's a little forced alliteration. What, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a preacher, right? I had to go with the P-E-P-E-P-E, -P -E -P -E, right? So just, 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 just rock with me, and we'll finish up here. <laughs> Going back to Corinthians for a second, when you flash forward a few more verses in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes back to talking about those gifts. Remember those gifts we talked about, right? We talked about singing a hymn, giving a lesson, and then we said revelation, tongues, interpretation, and we just called those all the gifts, right? Once again, we're, we're, we're not unpacking all the gifts because that's a whole other message for another day, but Paul talks about the gifts, these supernatural dynamic gifts that the Lord has given us to build up the church and to build up each other. There's another reason why he gives it to us. It's also for evangelism for the world. And Paul unpacks it here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all and he is called into account by all. The secrets of his hearts are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. When we're activated in our gifts, when the Lord, when we're coming together as a church, we're worshiping and singing and celebrating together. When we personally are encouraged or edified, when we are publicly as a group, when we are encouraged, and then we are free 
we're stepping into the freedom of expressing our gifts, our love for each other, our love for the Lord, and expressing and activating our gifts, people will take notice. Matter of fact, the Bible even tells us that when we're stepping out in these gifts of the Spirit, when we step out in what the Lord's called us to do, the world will come in and they will see, and they will say, what is going on here? How did this happen? How did you know? Church, this might sound crazy and weird to you, but I've had times in worship services where I've been praying, and the Lord's dropped a thought in my mind. Matter of fact, I've had this happen several times in my life and, 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 and where the Lord said, put a name in my head or the Lord's put someone across the room and, and I've seen them and the Lord said, go over there and talk to them. And I put my arm around them and I just say, hey, the Lord told me to do X, Y, Z, or maybe the Lord gave me a name. I remember one time, I'll, I'll give this example specifically. One time I was praying in a worship service and, and it was a large event that my church had. And, and um, uh, 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 they, they had some folks praying at the altar and, and I saw one young man at the altar who was kind of seeking out the Lord and praying. And the Lord told me the name Michael. And he told me a woman's name. I don't remember exactly the woman's name, but let's just call it Sheila for a second. And I felt like I was supposed to go talk to this young man. I put my arm around this young man and I said, hey man, can I pray for you? And I said, hey, this might sound weird, but the name Michael uh, stands out to me. What does that mean to you? And he says, well, that's my name. And I said, well, <laughs> let me try this one too. The name Sheila that came to me, does that name mean anything to you? And he said, well, that's my mom's name. And I said, well, I feel like the Lord told me to pray for you and your mom. And we went on to talk about, I believe his mom was going through some health issues and some, some work and employment issues. And we just talked and prayed together. I remember another time, church, that a, a guy called our church um, uh, um, hotline to receive prayer because his brother, uh, was uh, uh, was uh, getting ready to have surgery, was going to have surgery because he had brain cancer. And I remember sitting there hearing this guy's story, hearing how this guy had been praying for his brother's salvation and believing for his brother's healing. And we prayed together and I prayed healing over his brother's life. He called me back the next day. He said, my brother who's been battling with his faith and all this other stuff was healed and God did a miracle in his life. Church, something amazing happens when we come together. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, for when two of you gather in my name, I am among them. There's something powerful that happens when we come together in corporate worship and in corporate celebration. When we come together focused on the Lord, focused on loving each other, where the world will see that and they say, what the heck is going on here? Worship has the power to influence and evangelize the world. Those are my examples, but let me give you a biblical one. Acts 16. Acts 16. An amazing story in Acts 16. Matter of fact, there's a gospel song that was written uh, after this one. Late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. Right? And Paul and Silas get locked up and put in prison because they were doing the work of the Lord. And the whole town where they were at, they were rowdy, they were rambunctious, they were crazy. They got Paul and Silas locked up. And we pick up in this verse in Acts 16, 25, and we'll end with this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Two were gathered in the name of the Lord, locked up in prison. Sounds like a corporate worship session to me. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. The chains were broken 
And when the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because what you don't understand is in that time, if the prisoners escape, um, the jailer, the guard uh, of the prison, his life is on the line. He will be killed or executed. So he's like, well, it's going to happen. I'm just going to end my life right now. He was about to kill himself. Verse 27, verse 27, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Verse 28, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and with trembling and fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour that night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up to his house and set some food before them. And he rejoiced along with the entire household. And he had believed in God. Church, when we come together, I don't care the circumstance. I don't care if we're at, at OVBC on Saturday nights. I don't care if we're at the People's Plaza on Sunday morning. I don't care if you're at the Lakewood Town Center on Wednesday afternoon. I don't care if you're working overtime at your job and you're miserable and you're angry. When we come together in corporate worship and corporate celebration, when we're looking at the Word of God and we're encouraging each other, when we are, we are sacrificing and we know that the Lord has built us up and edified us and strengthened us and encouraged us, when we come together, two or three of us, worshiping and celebrating and lifting up the Lord together. The world will take notice. That's how it was designed. The world says, what is it about the love? What is it about the joy? What is it about those gifts? How did you know what you know? How can you do what you can do? Why is it that way? And then we say it's because there's a God of heaven and earth and he's crazy about you and he loves you and he's given us this vibrancy and he's given us this joy and he's given us these passions. And he's given us these gifts so we can step into all that he has for us and so that you can step into all that he has for you. So when we come together church for corporate worship, we should all walk away personally edified. The group should be encouraged and anyone who comes in for the first time, they should be able to say, this is awesome. This is cool. I wanna know the God that you serve. If we're doing that church, Redeemed Church, if we're doing that, when we're doing that, we're gonna see God in a whole new and different way. I encourage you, come to OVBC on Saturday nights. I encourage you, come on a Sunday and help with a work party. I encourage you, get involved in a life group. I encourage you, stay connected. Do not do this alone. You were never meant to be a lone ranger. You were never meant to be on a solo mission. You were meant to have people around you, encouraging you and supporting you and loving you as you pursue Jesus. I love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Father, we thank you. We lift you up, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Redeemed Church, I love you. We'll see you next time. God bless.